one showing is a fresh of breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love eating it. Most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? <laughs> it kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank you for that. Stitching, you got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, stay focused. Um, work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It feels a bomb. It feels a bomb. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Witty Nation, welcome everyone to episode 110 of the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast, the number one self rated podcast about sports, entertainment, and everything in between. And as always, part of the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Go follow us at Witty Sports 716 on Twitter. And Instagram and follow everything built in Buffalo is giving you every single day, top of the line bills, content, Twitter, Facebook at built in Buffalo underscore. It's a takeover. We are your hosts. I'm Matt. He's Tony. Tony, what's going on? I'm dreaming of a healthy playoff, just like the ones of the past two years where the knees are intact and elbows still attached to hear Josh's pass was by your ear. I'm dreaming of a healthy playoffs with every loft pass play Dorsey calls our injury bug a bit harder than John Voigt. So may all our games be easier than Detroit. Matt, what's up? Merry Christmas. Very nice. I feel like I should have uh, like put on the fireplace and whipped up a cup of hot chocolate or something. That was, that was lovely. Thank you. And I will tell you, I think, that my greatest lyrics ever are injury bug bit harder than John Voigt. May our games be easier than Detroit. That is a good. Seinfeld You're... reference, a good rhyme. It had it all. I was really you proud are of myself. Modern day Dr. Seuss, Theodore yeah, yeah. Suzel. Watch out, Marshall Mathers. I'm coming for you. But you're right. The injury bug has bit harder taken than the John Buffalo Voigt. Bills. Yeah, it has been really bad this year. We'll get into it more. Uh, Tony, are you one of those guys that just skip over Thanksgiving? Like it's a nothing holiday for you and just move on to Christmas? Um, I mean, I mean, it's a it's a something holiday, but it is probably my least favorite holiday. I got to blame a- Star 102.5 because they play their holiday songs <laughs> in October. Yes, right after Halloween. Right after Halloween, literally the second it ends. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's always nice when the Bills play on Thanksgiving, because then not only are you gathering the family together and talking about differing political views and getting angry at each other, but now you're coming together as a sign of unity watching the Buffalo Bills play. That's always got to be a nice feeling. It truly has saved Thanksgiving in this era that we have been having a lot of Thanksgiving games lately. Three in a row. Otherwise, right? then really, what would Thanksgiving be? A nightmare. Yeah, I think it is three in a row. <laughs> I think it is. Saints last year. Oh, yeah. That's was nice. it the Cowboys the year before that? <laughs> was it? Yes, I think so. And now Lion. Believe that's correct. Mm. Tony, speaking of Thanksgiving, has the tryptophan weared off? Are you are you tryptophan free, ready to play with all the old toys? Speaking of sci-fi. I am. I'm making. I'm, I've, I've, I've made personal Thanksgiving history this year. The year 2022, Anto Domingue. I zero leftovers. Wow. In my world, yeah, leftovers not even in play, not even a thing. I left Thanksgiving and I truly left it 
in my past. So I don't yeah, think in the history is, of is well man off. that's ever been done. That is quite <laughs> the accomplishment. Yeah, not not a single one. Well, I, pilgrims and Native Americans got together. There's never been a Thanksgiving dinner with no leftovers. That I well, I I shouldn't say there were no leftovers. I didn't participate in leftovers. Oh well, that's on you. Then. There were some. There were there were logistical issues keeping me from leftover possibilities. That's an excuse, Tony. Nothing is better than Thanksgiving leftovers. I feel like Thanksgiving mm. is the only dinner where it really tastes just as good reheated in a microwave as it does coming out initially. You know, it's very close. I think I have to agree with you with the exception of mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes are one of the hardest things to microwave. Oh, I agree. Completely agree. Mm -hmm. It takes those things 20 minutes to heat up. (laughs) Yeah. Very, very difficult to navigate the microwave on a mashed potato. It involves, to me, it involves a lot of mildly heating, stopping, stirring, heating, stopping, stirring. It's a science experiment. It's annoying. It's yeah, it, is, it is a science experience. Yeah. Speaking of Thanksgiving, you can never, Tony. You can never get it right. No, no, absolutely not. You can never. Speaking of Thanksgiving, Tony, in honor of Thanksgiving, in honor of the Bills playing, thought to kick off the show this week. Let's get the listeners who we would have at our Thanksgiving table. The, the three Buffalo sports figures you would most want to invite for Thanksgiving that you would want most part of your family we already know you would choose oh. Kendall Gaskins. So three other ones other than Kendall Gaskins. Well, Kendall Gaskins is a part of my family, so it doesn't <laughs> yes. even matter. So he doesn't count. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Tony, if you if you would be so kind, I'd love to do the honors for this one. Okay, by all means. With my first seat at the table, I am going to give it to maybe the most underappreciated hero or heroess hmm. of Buffalo sports lore. Maybe the most also well-recognized hero or heroess of Buffalo sports lore. Tony, I'm giving my first seat at the Thanksgiving table to the man or woman, because we don't know. It's a really Wizard of Oz behind the curtain scenario, to the person who makes up and writes the WGR company jingles. A A true staple of our Buffalo sports fandom, a true staple of the Buffalo sports culture. There might not be anyone more famous or more unknown. I don't know who does them, but whoever it is, kudos to you, sir or ma'am, because they are <laughs> stuck in my head forever and will ever be. Matt, why don't you take the mic and indulge us and indulge a little uh, for our listening pleasure? What are your favorites? Oh, you could go so many ways, Tony. You could go, uh, oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Woo. Mm. Uh, or you can go. Hamburg overhead door over delivering all over Western New York. There's so many good jingles, Tony. So many. And this is great free advertising for them. Hope they're hope to get with this. Really, this is really great. You're free welcome. advertising. If they'd like to sponsor the podcast in any way, shape or form, we happily oblige. But mm-hmm. Tony, those those jingles are a, a part of Buffalo sports culture, I feel like, because you hear them on WGR, the local area sports talk all the time, and they just get stuck in your head and you find yourself later in the day humming or singing they're just so darn catchy so whoever does them you have a seat at my thanksgiving table great pick man if i may make my selection am i on the clock you are on the clock go ahead okay so my strategy in this draft is that of truly trying to make a well-rounded team here in the form of a thanksgiving okay. experience because i'm like am i thinking about this from a practical sense like who's bringing the most to the table both figuratively and literally, 
am I just thinking whose company am I going to enjoy the most? Or am I thinking, do I need to make it a true Thanksgiving and just have a group of people that are just going to sow chaos when they're in the same room together? And I will sit back and enjoy my stuffing as I just watch human beings collapse. Yeah. (laughs) As I watch the chaos. So what I think I'm going to do. Humanity be swept aside. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So what I think I'm going to do is my goal is to choose someone from each of those subcategories. Okay. Uh, I like it. Good strategy. I think first I'm going to take someone who the practical sense, who's bringing the most to the table figuratively and literally. And I'm going to go with Bison's owner, Bob Rich. Oh, okay. (laughs) He owns rich food products, as you know. Thus, Thanksgiving dinner is free and taken care of. How can I go wrong? I like your strategy here. It's all coming with Bob. It's all free. It's all prepared. It's done. And maybe a little baseball insight as well. And maybe some naming rights. And maybe some naming rights, maybe some free apparel too. Yeah, uh, Tony, I, I think it's a great pick because I know, in the, I'm sure the listeners agree that the first person I want at my celebrity Thanksgiving is the owner of a food distribution place. So many yes. good stories, I assume. <laughs> good stories and nothing but the best. You, you'll never have a turkey so succulent than the best turkey that Bob Rich is bringing from downtown. Good pick. Good pick. Okay. I, I like your strategy here. I like your mm-hmm. uh, the well-rounded starting three, if you will, uh, of a, a starting yep. lineup here. You ready for my second pick? Yeah, I'm ready. Tony, when I think of uh, Thanksgiving, I think of what you've previously mentioned, maybe the, the chaotic nature of it, the familial nature of it coming together. And I feel like sometimes, you know, it gets it gets a little boring. Just sitting at the dinner table, reminiscing about stories you reminisce about every single year. Maybe it just gets a little dull and repetitive. So I'm going to bring a person to make that the opposite. I'm going to bring the party to Thanksgiving. I'm bringing Rob Gronkowski to my Thanksgiving table. Uh, He was on my list. He was on my list, of course. I think if I'm getting Gronk, I'm getting the whole Gronkowski family. Mm -hmm. I'm getting what is the equivalent of the Gronkowski cruise at Thanksgiving, which would be a, a fantastic way to go about Thanksgiving dinner. Something a little different, obviously. I think I'm getting strobe lights. I think I'm getting pit viper glasses. Mm-hmm. I think I'm getting the whole nine yards here. And that's the Thanksgiving I never experienced that I want to experience. So Rob Gronkowski, you have my second seat. Yep. It would be a Thanksgiving for the ages. It would be a high energy Thanksgiving. What usually brings the energy on Thanksgiving get together? I would say it's like the little kids. But now you have Gronk, who's kind of an adult little kid. And he is. he's just going to bring that energy. He's going to arrive. He knows what his role is. And he's going to embrace that role. Good pick. Good good Thanksgiving. Like, now Thanksgiving is going to be a lot less tedious with Gronk in the mix. And, that, and right. that's, Plus, you know, good thought. He was on my list. Okay, good. I, I'm glad we agree. Plus, I feel like in normal circumstances with regular family members, if they say something offensive, you kind of shun them. It kind of gets awkward with Gronk if he's... He says something in Spanish that doesn't make any sense. I feel like it's just, ah, it's Gronk. It's not offensive <laughs> at all. He's just being Gronk. That's a, that's a good point. Gronk is <laughs> so lighthearted. Gronk is, yeah. You know, he's like an 80-year-old grandpa, but right. also with little kid energy. Anything goes Exactly. Yeah. Tony, who's your second choice? Okay. So now I know who I'm choosing for chaos, and I don't think that you are going to choose this person. So I feel confident saving them for the second round or third round. 
But in the second round, I'm going with who's just going to come and bring good company. Who's going to have great stories. Who's going to dazzle us with um, personality and leading the dinner table conversation. And I have five great choices that I'm looking at, but I'm going to take one that I think is a stretch. One of the greatest hunters in Buffalo history. Oh, I'm going with Grover Cleveland. (laughs) The president. Yeah, that's right. He's the 22nd and the 24th president of these United States, an accomplished hunter. So that is the sport that I'm drawing from, uh, hunting Turkey on his hunting grounds, you know, on transit road where Grover's is. And, you know, I would love to grab some Grover's burgers and be like, Hey, this is your legacy. How do you feel about that? In addition to all Grover's burgers guy, I'm a medium Grover's burgers guy. All I hear uh, no about with Grover's is their burgers are great. And I've never had a Grover's burger, uh, but I'm it is very, very intrigued. Okay. A Grover's burger is, in fact, super good. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Also owns a golf um, course. Yeah. He, Grover Cleveland owns a golf course? Yeah. Grover Cleveland golf course. Oh, okay. Uh, well, yeah. So you have that going Yeah, so you can know about that, all the things. And then, I, and then, obviously, you know, if you don't have stories from your presidency, then I don't know what you were doing. So I'm sure he has plenty of stories that can just blow our minds about the Sherman silver purchase act or, you know, any other thing that he did. <laughs> and any other, any other, uh, other of those acts I want to know. Yeah. Any other act that was involved in his time. I don't know. So then, uh, yeah, let's get a president to the table. Give me Grover what Cleveland. What is Grover Cleveland famous for? Well, he was the sheriff of Erie County. I know that he was famous. Oh, he was mayor of Buffalo. Also um, a big guy, 275 pounds. He's going to, he's going to eat. Well, that's important too. You want someone who's gonna who's gonna show up to Thanksgiving dinner, you know? Right. Also, might have um, an illegitimate kid. I'm just reading the fun facts about Grover Cleveland. Who doesn't want a good, yeah, he, illegitimate a kid at the Thanksgiving table? Come on. What president doesn't have an illegitimate have a, kid? Yeah. How many right. American presidents don't have illegitimate kids? This is what I'm saying. Right. Oh, Pullman strike. Like he a, had to deal with the Pullman strike. That's a big deal. Bill Pullman, the actor? No, no, no. The pull. Oh, I wish. No, for the Pullman strike was uh this is actually talking in Independence in Day US American history. Yeah, yes, Independence Day ID4 is really taught in American history, as is the Pullman strike, which was a major railroad strike uh that I guess he had to deal with. It, you know, dealing with him. Eugene Debs was the leader of the American Railway Union at the time. So I, I like the if, idea if you know of Eugene Debs writing history. with Independence Day is a Grover Cleveland biopic movie. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, and then maybe after the game, after dinner, you sit down with him and say, hey, so this is Independence Day. This is what you missed when you were dead. And just watch his mind be blown at one of the greatest cinematic masterpieces. This actor was yeah. the reason for your this railroad actor. act. <laughs> we, we don't want you to be confused. Bill Pullman, <laughs> Pullman Strike, a lot of overlap. You just watch right. a lot of overlap. Right. Good pick. I, I like it. I like how you're diversifying your roster here. Very good. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, Tony, yeah. for my third pick, speaking of minds blown, I think this might be a little controversial. This is a person where the conversation is not going to get stale and it's going to keep every other guest on their toes. I think I got to go with OJ Simpson. Interesting. Okay. Yes. It crossed my mind. I mean, I wouldn't have him carving the turkey. Let's just get that out in front <laughs> right away. Well, I mean, he's got gloves. So, well, if you're yeah, worried about I mean, safety, plus he might be. A bit of an expert with the, the utensils being used. Of course. No, I might kids reconsider. Um, but I just feel like the the slate is blank. There's no preconceived like 
parameters or anything, and it's an open book. I just have so many questions for OJ Simpson, not only about his time <laughs> with the Bills, but also about his acting career. Because despite what I you think about the guy, all about he was great gun. in the Naked Gun movies. He was great. I sure liked those Naked Gun movies. He was. And then, of course, post his playing career and post mm-hmm. prison sentence. And ter- I feel like a lot of maybe not good conversation, interesting conversation could be had by having OJ Simpson at your Thanksgiving table. There are so many things that, and you know, and you know, he's a seasoned personality, like in that he can charm on a talk show. And I think that brings a lot to the table at a Thanksgiving dinner. I mean, that's essentially the same reason I drafted Grover Cleveland was I'm like, let's get these people who are ready to drive the conversation, the dinner table conversation in here. Right. Opposite sides of the spectrum. Pun intended. No pun intended, but I was really good with it. Versus a a (laughs) conversation. Yeah. Yes. He's going he's gonna to drive the conversation. Yeah, he's going to drive Bronco. the conversation. Yeah, oh, exactly. He brought a Took white Bronco a second, to the good dinner. Finger. Yep, good thing. <laughs> Tony, who is your uh, third and final pick? All right, so with my third and final pick, I mean, you're, I'm looking at Bob Rich, just a classic business-owning elitist white guy. I'm looking at <laughs> Grover Cleveland. Grover Cleveland, a business-elitist white guy. Classic, just a classic elitist white guy. I need someone who's maybe your roster's not as diverse as I thought. Well, that's kind of what I'm saying. I need someone who's going to come in here and just bring in. They're going to get along too well, and so I need someone to come in here and sow a little chaos to break up this, make it a true Thanksgiving with some awkwardness, some fighting, some tension, some conflict. Someone who the rest of my team is just going to hate, and you know who everyone hates? Christian Leitner. Wow. So I'm going to bring Christian uh, Leitner into the mix. Based on the movie, everyone hates Christian Leitner. Based on the movie, we hate Christian Leitner. He is disliked so intensely by so many. and For no reason. (laughs) My guess is, yeah, right. And my guess is that he's going to come in, expect people to hate him, and then they're going to end up fucking loving him. But that's kind of what I'm hoping doesn't happen. Uh, That would be my fear, but it's a lot better than just bringing in someone that I know is that I know exactly the way it's going to go. So I'll bring Christian Leitner to just be like a wild card and throw a little like spice into the mix. I like it. My first question to Christian Leitner, if he came to my dinner would be, did anyone on the dream team talk to you other than Chris Mullen? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Cause I, no one cause I can't see anyone talking to Christian Leitner. No, he does not fit in, <laughs> in any circle that he's ever been in. No, not at all. Well, maybe the nickel circle. Nichols High School circle. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'll leave that to you, private school guy. I don't know. What, Speaking of what, elitist is, the, what is the dynamic of Nichols? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this Found is it this is the kind of stuff I want at my table. Did you have any uh, honorable mentions? Oh, tons. Okay, I, just, sure. I had three, <laughs> and that's it. Well, if I wasn't going to pick Bob Rich, then who was I going to bring to bring something to the table? Was Drew Bledsoe to bring the wine? Bring the wine. Yep, obviously. He would bring the wine. Um, Flutie to bring the conspiracies. I thought, or, or Thurman would bring the other food from his restaurant in Batavia. I have, for company, I, if I was going to make like a real pick, like Fitz would be great. Fitz would be great, yeah. Yeah, Harvard educated. It, it's going to turn that trash Thanksgiving dinner into like a Parisian salon. We're on the musings <laughs> of society with Fitz there. This would absolutely be the guy uh, at Thanksgiving dinner that gets too much food stuck in his beard and you don't want to say anything because you don't want to embarrass him. <laughs> so it just yeah, we sits him. and marinates there. Mm-hmm. I thought 
any Pagula would be cool. Consider Terry. Jesse would be cool from be good. the tennis circuit. And then if it wasn't going to be Christian Leitner, I thought to sow chaos, you could bring in Richie incognito and he would just say something totally off the wall and blow that thing up. There was That's kind of what I thought. If there's any chance of starting a food fight at Thanksgiving, it would be a yeah. Richie incognito starting that food fight. Yes. yes. The man is prone to throwing Richie. things. <laughs> Don't he be is. at a gym with Richie and incognito. To losing it. Or be in the FBI. Because right. he will find uh, you. That's a good point. That FBI. Yeah, Tony, you know another will. great guest to have at Thanksgiving? One Mr. Marv Levy. Well, he, he would was have on great my stories. List. He knows his history. He might. He knows his history. He'd have great stories about his coaching. He probably has great love. stories outside of coaching as well. He would he would serenade us like he does every single episode. <laughs> Are you ready to throw it to Marv and talk to some bills here? Let's do it. Let's do it. Marv, take it away. We'll be back after the break. Go, go. Bills fight, bills go. Come on, let's win for Buffalo. And we are back. Tony, we start off a double dip of a of a Bills week here. The same way we start off all our game reviews. And we're going to start, listeners, we're going to speak mostly about Bills-Lions. We're going to throw in some, some Browns in there. But we thought we'd give you the latest and greatest. And some of the positives and negatives carry over between games so we'll we'll touch on that but tony the review is going to the most recent game and that's the lions review are you ready you got your notes the so bad it's good review let's do it let's hit it cue the music here we go we head to detroit and then back to buffalo and then fourth again to detroit whoa nobody tell ray allen where the bills were here and there and here and there and everywhere but neither the browns nor the lions could beetle the buffalo bills this week my safe word will be whiskey, but your safety word can be Ed Oliver as the big man made sure the turkey wasn't the only thing getting stuffed this Thanksgiving. Josh Allen's psyche is shakier than a Taylor Swift relationship, but Detroit's RoboCop statue has nothing on our RoboArm QB, and everyone knew Stefan Diggs was trouble when he walked into Ford Field. Dan Bruce Campbell turned his team's hopes of a win into ash and now is an evil dead coach coaching. <laughs> the face of the franchise is back. Sean McDermott is still clapping. Detroit-style pizza still sucks. You double dip the wins. Bills win 31-23 against the Browns and 28-25 against the Lions on Thanksgiving to move to 8-3 and three on the season. Tony, that's the review. We are really bringing it with Seinfeld references in this episode. It felt, it felt right. At every turn, it did. It, yeah, it is right. We're really on it with this one. And, I'm surprised uh, you does... didn't mention the, uh, the Hot Rod reference. Oh, was that with the... No, I, my brain has been spinning. Is there a... Is there a RoboCop statue in Detroit? There is, or there was. I don't know if there still wow. is, but there definitely I never, was. I never knew anything about this. Yeah. That's I, pretty cool. I, ever I since that. I found out about it, I've been infatuated with the RoboCop statue. Oh, yeah, here it is. I'm on a picture of it what right a, now. What a cool what a cool thing. It is also like kind of demoralizing that a city is making a statue of RoboCop. Doesn't it seem like the city's kind of saying like we've already devolved into <laughs> yeah like we've already just devolved into some kind of post-apocalyptic chaotic whatever kind of world i think that's why it was like so, initially built or made because of the economic downturn years and years ago when the government had to bail out the auto companies and all that the robocop statue and i could be completely wrong about this but this is what i feel like i read <laughs> uh they put the robocop statue up as like a sign of hope that Detroit will rise again 
RoboCop's a sign of strength okay. or something. It, it's cool. You I, do, I you it. Detroit. Um, no, I thought I thought you'd comment on the uh, the hot rod reference that the uh, safe word is whiskey. I didn't pick that up. I mean, I've seen Hot Rod oh, a time or two, but uh, yeah, I, I kind of am too. Hot Rod's a great movie. If you haven't watched Hot Rod, definitely watch it and watch it again because it is mm-hmm. a cult classic, if you will. That scene where Andy Samberg is tumbling down a mountain for like two straight minutes. <laughs> uh, physical comedy at its peak right there. Tony, let's get into the game. I think I want to start like these two games, the Browns game Sunday, the Lions game on Thanksgiving. were not the best games the Bills played. But I want to look at it from a glass half full approach because I'm really proud of this team for all they went through for the past seven days between the snowstorm, having the logistical angst of even getting out of the city, flying to Detroit, playing a game, flying back to Buffalo, having one day of practice and flying back to Detroit. Arduous to say the least, tiring to say the most, because at the end of that Lions game, you could see those guys and there were reports from all the beat writers of like, this is the least energetic the Bills have been after a win, because <laughs> I have to imagine that team was exhausted. I talked after the Vikings game about if the team even tied, there would be dialogue about how they were resilient and they could come back. And this past two games, this past week, that's a resilient team. They have not been playing good. They've been in their own heads. Josh has the yips, still does, probably injured, dealing with injuries, dealing with the logistical schedule. This team persevered, and and maybe it wasn't pretty. Maybe it wasn't the greatest they've looked this year, and maybe at times it was downright ugly, but they won two games, and that's, I think, saying a lot about this team. You're right. and It's not just that they won the two games, but the way that they won each involved staring adversity in the face and choosing to rise above it or actively working to rise above it. Both games end up being such a reminder that you're one of 11 units in whatever unit you are, or one of three, if you're a specialist. And, you know, if we didn't have the culture, we wouldn't have won those games. Yeah, I I think Shaw's post-game locker room, whatever speech, if you will, I think said it all because... He could have been pissed. He could have been upset the way they played on both sides of the ball. But there was a lot of energy. There was a lot of positivity. And I don't. I just don't think it was a time to be negative. I don't think it was a time to find the faults for all this team has gone through in the past week, for all the mistakes they made, for all the schematical errors on either side of the ball. Like You're right. They persevere and they showed resiliency and they overcame all these hurdles that were placed in their way, they could easily, they could easily be six and five right now and not Uh looking great whatsoever in any way, shape or form, but they overcame and they're eight and three. And again, it wasn't pretty, but, but they got the job done. And sometimes in the NFL, in this any given Sunday mentality, sometimes you just got to get the job done, find any means to to find a W and they did. So we talk about the culture. We talk about the process. We talk about all these cliche terms and you just kind of like, oh, it's just whatever. But these are the moments that make those cliche terms that make that kind of eye rolling cringiness. You, you kind of start to believe that it's something that these guys buy into, that this coaching staff has instilled in these players to trust the process, adapt the culture and find a way to win. 
Yeah. And it's almost as though, I think that, you know, like you said, their attitude coming out of the wins and their low energy coming out of the wins also to me kind of reveals like that they truly do have the same expectations that we have of, of a high expectation year and kind of of a year where it's like, well, yeah, we're just going to cruise through the regular season because it's essentially a given that we're going to be in the playoffs. So then everything only really matters in the playoffs. And it kind of feels like if these are like these low energy wins, am I reading that their mindset is like, it's not supposed to be this hard. Like this is insane that we're so much better than them. We know we're so much better than them and that it be because of injuries and other factors. There's like a resentment that they have to face that kind of adversity. They have to be that resilient because they're probably just ready to be like, can we just put our best foot forward, prepare ourselves Mm -hmm. in the best way possible for this playoff run? And I don't know if these injuries keep mounting up. Maybe they can, maybe they can't. Do you think the bar is set too high? No. Or the the bar was Uh, set too high? No, I don't think the bar was set too high. By the (laughs) expectations? I know what you mean by that phrase. The bar is where the bar is set. Yes. No, I don't think that it was set too high originally, but now, I don't know. I mean, you know, with a lot of these major injuries, maybe to keep the bar there is too high, but originally, no, I don't think it was set too high. I go into these games, I watch them, and especially these past three, maybe even four weeks at this point, and I find myself saying, oh, maybe they aren't as good as we think they are or thought they were. Mm. And that's half my brain. And the other half's like, well, maybe they're really good, but the bar is just so ridiculously high in terms of expectations that I just expect perfection every time. <laughs> and I really do like feel that way. I feel like the roster they put together, the experience they have, the camaraderie and continuity that the roster possesses feels very easy to set the bar that high, to expect them to finish every drive with a touchdown and make a three and out every defensive series. But you got to kind of step back and say, oh, that's that's not the case. And there's all these different variables, whether it's injuries or personnel or whatever that play a factor. But I, I find myself asking more this past month, are they really that good? But then I kind of fall back into, well, look at all these things they had to deal with. And they've come out, you know, not great, like two and two the past four weeks, but they've been through so much. I got to think that's a resilient team. And a resilient team is a successful team, usually in the NFL. I'm of the mindset, like, the latter. I'm of the mindset of, are we that good? I just see it as, like, well, we would we would be that good. I mean, that's the way we were approaching the early part of this season. And the proof was there on the tape, seemingly. So it's like, yeah. I just kind of think of, like, oh, man, it's kind of sucks. Josh's elbow is limiting him and the playbook so much. It kind of sucks that most of the defense is hurt or is playing hurt. And we'll be playing even more hurt. Just like, man, what we could have been, what we could, what I could be watching here in this game in Detroit right now, if people were healthy, if Mike Hyde never went out, if Crowder never went out, if the offensive line was intact, and if Josh's elbow was normal. 100%. Yeah. The 100%. Bills have so a- you're siding over towards my thought process. Okay, good. Excellent. Yeah. The Bills have a ton of injuries, mm-hmm. which is screwing up a, a lot. Some important players find themselves injured around the injury report week in and week out. It didn't get any easier this past week. Maybe one of the most important players on the defense, one of the biggest signings of the offseason, not the biggest signing of the offseason, Von Miller goes down. Initial diagnosis, initial reports seem to indicate a lateral meniscus. I think that's a real word. I'm not a doctor. It seems about like a 
two to four week injury if he elects not to get surgery and play through it. How big of a loss is Von Miller on a scale of 10 being the most? And we're going to start the scale at nine. Mm-hmm. 9.8. Okay. <laughs> the point two to me comes from the hope that I have of what has Von Miller Love. done to oh. what has Von Miller done to Gregory Rousseau that Rousseau is a dominant force that Rousseau can be, you know, enough of a pass rusher to get it right. to get it done, sort of. But even then, I don't think like when we're looking for the closer, who will it be? Who's gonna be the person that gets it done? I don't think it would be Rousseau. Right. If anything, I think it would maybe would be Oliver, which would be fine. I think it would be Oliver done. at this point. Yeah. I'm almost too. I'm almost of the mindset that they have been better against the run these past two games. They quelled Nick Chubb. The Lions have, for not being a great team, have a pretty good run offense. Jamal Williams coming into this game, I think, had six touchdowns his past his previous two games or something total. They did do a good job against against the run these past two games. I'm almost of the mindset with the loss of Von Miller, the injuries to AJ Epinesa and Greg Rousseau. Kind of wonder if Leslie Frazier bumps Oliver outside, bumps Oliver to the edge. I was kind of wondering that too. And he's always and goes bumping. and goes super heavy along the front four. Yeah, I think that'd be interesting. And he's already kind of bumping. Like sometimes I see Daquan Jones out there. Yeah. So I do kind of question. I'm like, I'm surprised Oliver's not out there because I, I see Oliver as being a lot more athletic than Daquan Jones. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But it's also you know, I mean, who knows what these other injuries actually look like in terms of Rousseau's timetable. I mean, I know Rousseau's timetable is probably a little bit longer with a higher ankle sprain, but it kind of doesn't matter because it's Mike Love time now. So or boogie time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's boogie time. Okay. <laughs> Will it ever be boogie time? No. Yes. Maybe sometime boogie woogie, but how much faith do you have in boogie? Flesh that out a little like faith in him making an impact faith in him. Yes being a significant player. I'd say it's a coin how much flip fa- at this point. How much faith do you have in him? Like, okay, like now next man up, he's called, his name is called as he is the next man up. Is he going to I, do, deliver at a, at a similar level or a difference in the level that's, you know, acceptable? Or is it like too yeah. big of a drop off for you? It's too big of a drop off for sure. Mm, okay. I, I'm okay. actually a, of the, the mindset and... Obviously, it's been this way in terms of snap counts as well. I'm loving Shaq Lawson's game lately. I think that guy has yeah, absolutely revitalized his career mm-hmm. with his second stint as a Buffalo Bill here. He's been really, really good. And I think with Miller's injury, I think with Rousseau and Epinesa slowly coming back, I think it's I think it's Shaq Lawson's time to shine. Yeah, I can see that. Let's just give a shout out to the second stinters on this team, huh? Depth. They're really they're really coming in hard. The second stinters, you got Shaq Lawson, as you said, and of course Jordan Phillips. That's a great band name, by the way. Yeah, the second stinters. AJ lead singer AJ Klein. Yeah. AJ Klein is the second stint. Dean Marlowe is in his second stint. Yep. You got, of course, Smoke Brown now so ready to start his second stint. We had Justin Zimmer on um, a second stint for a little bit. And we we had him. Justin Zimmer on a second stint. You're right. We did have Justin Zimmer on a second stint. Yep. Maybe Jordan he'll come Phillips. back for a third. Yep. Getting the old, yep. whole game yeah. back together, Tony. The whole, it is. It's insane. Yeah. A lot of second stint. Stinters happening here. You know You know who the next shoe to drop is? It could be Cole Beasley. Nate Peterman. 
Nate Peterman actually did get elevated to the active roster on the Bears, I believe, I this week. He did. He did. That son of a bitch. That's, I am He's still, ready for a second stint. I am still holding to my theory that he has blackmail on every single coach in the NFL <laughs> that allows him to hold a job in this league. Yeah. I don't know. What I mean, I guess um, I don't really follow his career or his career stats very closely, but you don't you don't need to. He you shows just them need something. to know that he has a job in this league and that alone should be blasphemous, shocking, whatever else you <laughs> that guy is the worst. They just had the XFL draft this past weekend. Oh, did they? Yeah. We need to talk about this next oh, uh, next that. episode because there are some there are some names on there. I was almost half thinking Nate Peterman would get drafted and he uh, didn't because he's NFL still team. on an NFL roster somehow. Right. It's unbelievable. It's really unbelievable. He is a human cat. He has nine lives, nine NFL careers. With the loss of Von Miller, the loss of some other players on the defense, we have to look at the bright side, Tony. There are some returns as well. One, Tredavious White, all pro corner. Yes. Sabres four string goalie. Tredavious White returned. Mm-hmm. Played two series. Just good to see him back out there. Good to see his vibes. Good to see his charisma back on the sideline, back in warmups. Can't say anything negative about Trey White. Glad to see him out I there. That, I think it's going to be a. I think it's going to be a slow burn. As yeah, I, I think McDermott actually got a little pressured by the media and the fans to just put him out there <laughs> in some okay. in some way. That that's just my two cents. But I, I think okay. we're going to see he played two series against the Lions. I think we're going to see just a week over week and increase snap count and, and things like that. Uh, what are your feelings about uh, Trey White's return? My feeling is that it's, it's almost December. And I think that you're right. I think it's a slow burn, maybe pressured, but I think that it's not so much the pre- the human pressure of, of fans of owners of administration or whoever. I think that the pressure largely comes from the season is winding down, or at least we're getting into the point of like, you want to prepare for yourself at least. You want to mm-hmm. start peaking now or start preparing for yourself to start peaking now. But I think that we all maybe on some level have this plan uh, in our minds of like how destiny will come to fruition and how the universe will grant us what the, what the universe was supposed to grant us since June. <laughs> and that being, you know, a ring. And so I think like with all these injuries, with all this adversity and with all the second stinters, that maybe the universe is saying, no, they're supposed to be here for this. They were, they're a part of it. They were supposed to be here for this. I think maybe Sean McDermott is like, well, if we're going to start revving up Trey into his 15 snaps this week, 30 snaps next week, 40 snaps the following week, then right. we need to do it now so that we peak at the right time. Everyone starts to come back. This is just one example or one instance of all the injured players that like slow trickle of they're starting to come back, they're starting to come back. And then by the time wildcard weekend comes in, we're looking at this team, we're like, oh, okay, we faced a bunch of bullshit. Now let's be for real. Let's fulfill our destiny. Yeah, let's fulfill our destiny here. The the players that are supposed to be playing are playing. Only Micah Hyde has been lost. And uh, let's get it done. Possibly. There are reports that if they make it deep into the playoffs, like AFC Championship, that Hyde could come back. I thought that's where you were going with the whole, like, People are coming back. It's destiny. Like you got to get 
the guys who should be out there that deserve the ring to be. I thought you were going to go Micah right, Hyde right, by the right. end there, but there are reports now, that if, he could come back. Now, if Von chooses surgery, all that is out the window as far as like destiny goes and everything. This is just this is assuming that I'm going to see a a brace legged Von Miller as a part of. I am with you, like Von with a brace as just a third down pass rush specialist. Mm-hmm. I'm totally okay with. Me too. Ready like, to close. That, that's have that's what it takes. Close. Like, yep, yeah, have him be the closer, Kira Sedgwick, mm-hmm. the closer. Yeah, have him be I our don't even Kira need him to play in the first half. <laughs> no, I don't even need to play at all, other than third and longs when he needs to sack a quarterback in uh, the last minute of the game when we need to close it out. But you look at the injuries, you look at the injuries to new additions, and you look at last year, they're a coin flip away from probably beating the Chiefs. Uh They're a home game after that against the Bengals in the AC Championship, which you got to think they're favored. And then they go to the Super Bowl where I I think they're a a better team than the Rams. So, and that's all without Von Miller. So do they have the capability of getting there without the guy they paid gobs of money to this offseason to be the closer? I I think they can, but to have him in the rotation would, would be... Just the the cherry on top. Mm-hmm. Great to see Trey White back, especially because the secondary. I have some concerns with Tony. We talked about the resilience of the team and all the positives. <laughs> There's also some negatives on the field, and we have to talk about that as well. And the secondary is is kind of a negative, and it's especially a guy that I really liked this season up until about the past three weeks. Dane Jackson has had his struggles, and it's very clear. It started with Justin Jefferson. Going for 190 plus in a touchdown. It continued with Amari Cooper against the Browns, scoring two touchdowns over 100 yards. And it continued on Thursday, the Thanksgiving game against Amon Ross St. Brown, who also had over 100 yards and a touchdown. So if there's any time for Trey White to come back and be the Trey White we know, it's it's this time because Dane Jackson really seems to be struggling. And Leslie Frazier's not doing anything to help him, in my opinion. He sees a player mm. struggling. Mm-hmm. He's hoping he plays. I think so too. He, he, I think he's hoping he plays himself out of his struggles. And I think that's kind of the mentality of the Bills coaching staff since the McDermott mm-hmm. era is they just play themselves mm-hmm. out of their faults or struggles. And it just doesn't seem to be happening because teams are picking on him over and over again. And uh, they're not schematically doing anything to help Dane Jackson in this scenario. Now you lose Bedford as well. <laughs> he has less power because <laughs> he's injured. Mm-hmm. So. You get white, you get Elam back. I, th- I think that's that's your starting two uh, uh, rolling for the rest of the season here. Yeah, and it, clearly, yes, I I think so too. Dane can back clean up in that. He still has a role and a place in the team, but yes, he's a liability, and I'm sick of it. I would also say there's only one thing we can do, and it's not only the Bills coaching staff that maybe we're saying, you know, when are they going to learn from their mistakes? But when are we going to learn from the past as fans, as Bills mafia? <laughs> We yeah. know what to do in this situation. We learned it last year. And now, Drive him out and of now town. look at AJ Klein. He's bad. No, AJ Klein is even Spray paint their lawn. And still showing successful. <laughs> yes, we have to bully Dane Jackson into being good. I don't know why we aren't saying, like, we know how to do this. We were successful with it, with the likes of AJ Klein. And AJ Klein was a big contributor in that game, even though he's only freshly back. Right. We have he to played bully Dane Jackson. Surprisingly well. Yeah, for someone who hasn't been on the team. Yeah, I know. Right. Even though he dropped yeah, but it's, it's game-clinching interception, but yeah. I know, I know. 
but still, yeah. But heck, Evan. <laughs> no, he was but solid. Still, he was solid. Yeah, being on the team for he was five he's days. ready to fulfill his destiny. Yep. And Dane Jackson just needs the old just needs the old AJ Klein treatment. That's what I'm saying. We have to bully him. <laughs> so let's find his address. Send him a bunch of bullshit letters. No change. Tweet no moms for Dane Jackson. No change.org petition. We need we need to up the ante with bullying Dane Jackson into playing well. Yeah, we gotta bully this guy hard. It's the only yes, way. Yes, uh, absolutely. I, I think we should have a new segment on this podcast called Matt's Naive Minute. <laughs> because this week, it's like I'm naive with special teams. Anybody can play special teams and, and all that. This week I'm naive to why can't cornerbacks when they see a guy going for a catch, like instinctually just also turn around i don't understand like you you you're facing the guy you're watching him you're watching him like position his hands to catch the ball look yes in his eyes you look at him waiting to catch the ball eyeing the ball into those hands as a cornerback don't you just turn around at that point (laughs) it was the jane jackson primarily like it just seems like kind of simple and nobody does it well this has been mass naive minute this week yeah you are showing your navity because i mean i don't know but i also have to assume that the people who this is their job and like coaching and of 100 years in the nfl have figured out like this is the most efficient way i also think it happens really fast like when you're in like i think that they're just running (laughs) until the moment that it's like 70 that the ball is like 75 percent of the way there yeah i guess but that 25 percent leaves a lot to be desired (laughs) yeah well, I just think of like go, go if try I, out if, if the guy yeah, huh? maybe I will Tony maybe I will that's what a little I'm Mark saying. Wahlberg that's invincible saying, scenario baby. here yeah um, my final note about the defense speaking of the bad now we're gonna go to the good is Matt Milano the most important player on this defense he is playing otherworldly right Insane. now when when we talk about guys stepping up and making plays it always seems to be Matt Milano answering the call when I'm yelling at my TV. Well, um, in that sense, he's the only playmaker left. So true <laughs> with all the injuries, but even his teammates obviously see it. I think they right. have Jordan Phillips Jordan in the Phillips. locker room post the Browns game saying defensive player of the year. Um, well, he might be. I mean, he, he won't he be, might. but in reality, he won't be. Yeah, but he, he is in my heart. Might he be actually legitimately deserving of that honor? I may be. Right. Uh, he just he's all over the place just shooting gaps making plays in the secondary anytime i am yelling at my tv for these guys to make a play is matt milano making that play he has been just flat out awesome this year like i can't even i can't even describe it i've said it before he's everything i wanted trey edmonds to be and i think trey edmonds has had a nice season i'm not a complete main eventer yet but i think he's had a a decent season maybe one of his best as a bill but everything i expected for tremaine edmonds coming out of Virginia Tech, sideline to sideline, making plays every snap, kind of middle linebacker. We get that and more with Matt Milano, who was a late round, forgotten. Is this guy even going to make the team coming out of training camp his first year? It might go down as one of the best Bills draft picks in terms of value value wise. It's not like a first rounder who you expect to be good and you expect to be a starter. Like most guys, that get drafted in the position Matt Milano got drafted in don't make NFL roster and are yeah. just forgotten and are playing in the XFL five years later. Like Matt Milano is a legitimate all pro caliber player. Yeah. This is like I said a couple of weeks ago, Matt Milano is, is good looking. 
He is good looking. That is that is true. No, man, if he did enter free agency, he would be one of the biggest names. Like it like when you oh, yeah. change teams and when there's teams in competition for you driving up your price, then you become like a big then that's what gets people talking on ESPN about about you and like you're a big deal and like it gets overhyped. Uh, or not even overhyped. It wouldn't be overhyped in the case of Mamelano. But he would be like, oh, this huge signing, you know, for some team. But he wasn't a huge signing for us. He was just, we're just staying good in the same. But like, if he did change teams or if he changed teams to us from somewhere else, he, he would be so so much more of a household name from that event of him getting some like monster com- competitive contract. But he did the right thing and stayed here because he's a great person. He's a great, and a great person. player. He's a great Bill. He's a great player. We're just extremely fortunate that he did not even test free agency. <laughs> Yes. Yes, I know. Yes, I mean we are. that that Very was the gift from the gift from the football gods. Mm-hmm. If everyone if everyone was healthy though in a fictitious world, would you think Matt Milano is the most important player on this defense still? No. Okay. I don't even think that now. You don't even think that now. Wow. Is the, is well, he the I think it changes most, by the week. Is he the most impactful player very, on an all healthy defense? Um oh, on an all healthy defense? Yeah. No, Trey does he is. Make, does he make real? Whoa! Well, look at what's been happening without Trey. Look, like all the number one receivers are having huge games against us, whether we win or lose. Yeah. Like, what if you that, that's, that was? Just you think shut down, the reason for that is the Trey whole operation or? would change? Yes. Really? Okay. Interesting. Well, kind of. I mean, because even if you say the reason for that is the issues of depth or like Dane Jackson, whatever, yeah. like that all boils down to Trey. It all boils down to Trey's not here. Trey Edmonds or Trey White? White. Okay, yeah, we can clarify. Yeah, I, oh I yeah, no. Think, I, Trey, I think that's Trey fair. Edmonds is a different person. Yes, Tremaine he Edmonds. is a different person. Because doesn't no doesn't no, but doesn't Tremaine Edmonds have a brother named Trey? Uh, there's Terrell. There, there's three. Is the third one Trey? Uh-huh. I don't know. I'm I, don't know. It up. I don't know the Edmonds family tree. Yeah, there is. He does have a sibling. Really named Trey. cool dreads. Okay. Yeah, Trey Edmonds plays for the New Orleans. Ah, no, okay. he's the Terrell's he's the running back. He plays for the Steelers. Yeah. Right. 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 Okay. Oh, he's a free agent right now. Oh, we should get him on the team. Ooh. Yeah, we should. Yeah, sign him. We up. need a safety. We need safety depth. No, he no. Oh, this oh, Trey, got... the running back. No, <laughs> we're all mixed up in our Edmonds. We need running back depth. I'm not. Speak for yourself. I know what's going on. <laughs> I will get right on the Edmonds family tree by next podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tony, let's move on to the offense. We got to start with J17, the franchise, the chosen one, the prince who was promised. Josh Allen has not looked right for a good month now. And I'm really starting to think that elbow is not 100%. And I think that's yeah, no very shit. clear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is this is the whole like, there was, a, there was a point in Jack Eichel's career when he was clearly injured. I think it was, I think it was Kruger. When he was clearly injured and Kruger would re- refuse to say he was injured, but we could all see it on the ice. <laughs> this is the same right. exact scenario. Like, yeah, Josh's injury is not as bad as it, it actually is. He's playing through it. But I think I think it's bad. And I think it's affecting him mentally. I think it's affecting him physically because for the first time in Josh Allen's career as a Buffalo Bill and even in college, I'm noticing a lot of lame duck passes. <laughs> which yes. I've never thought I'd say about Josh Allen. Not these rocket tight spirals, but passes that just seem to not have a lot of velocity that don't seem tight or wobbly. He's he's 
mustering all his strength to throw what would normally be routine passes for him, in my opinion. I don't think Josh is right I, physically, and I think it's affecting him mentally. Matt, I don't know if you listen to this podcast. No. But as you may remember, I reported this weeks ago when I learned the nature of this injury is like, that's what happens is that you can pass and play through it and you won't get worse, but the la- there will be a lack of velocity. You can't put too much velocity on the passes. And that's just what we're seeing. What I'm finding or what I'm kind of like shifting my mindset towards is of course it's limiting Josh and what he's able to do. But I also am thinking that there's like a coaching side to this too. And I think that Dorsey is limiting the playbook to only passes that are like sort of loft designed passes that don't require Josh to push it or try without velocity or whatever. Like it's just those kinds of plays that we're used to seeing plays that I will forever associate with the Kansas city game of the playoffs last year of just Josh just firing missiles like nonstop every 30 seconds. Right. (laughs) Those just aren't in those just, yeah, those just aren't in the library right now. And we're waiting for those to be in the library because what will happen if they are in the library is Josh will never heal up. So this is just kind of, we're waiting this out of doing loft passes unless, and this only went on to prove my theory over the course of the game, unless the game is on the line and he has to maybe delay his, the progress of him healing up a little bit in order to win the game. And that's, that's what we have is we have a missile to Stefan Diggs with 23 seconds left, but we also have Josh wincing. So maybe a step back for that necessity. And that's where we are. So I mean, the only question that remains about it is, so when is he going to be back to either being able to do that all the time or being allowed to do that all the time? Mm. Because that's the Josh I need come January. We all need that, Josh. We need that, Josh, back. Yeah, we all do. Yeah, and so (laughs) Moms moms and zaddies across the world. Ooh, zaddies. So even the big narrative a couple weeks ago or a couple games ago was like, oh, with the play calling, we're sick of Dorsey. I'm like, well, who knows how much of the playbook he's even willing or able to do? This is maybe a very much out of character play calling regiment for Dorsey because he's only looking at the soft passes, the anticipation style passes that Josh can do and trying to make a game plan surrounding that. So now I'm kind of like giving Dorsey even more of a benefit of the doubt just to see when Josh's elbow comes back, I guess I should say. Is it going to, are we going to like the play calling a lot more? I mean, I'm choosing to anticipate, yes. I, I like this angle because I wholeheartedly agree with you. But I'm mm-hmm. also, well, first of all, that pass to Stefan Diggs at the end of the game was one in a million. That was an incredible pass that I feel like only Josh makes because if it's any other quarterback yeah. without that arm strength, that's intercepted. Even if it's Josh throwing that ball a millisecond later, that's probably intercepted. So an incredible job by Josh and Diggs for the concentration to catch the ball. Just an amazing pass catch. I agree with you. I think the playbook's a little limited. I think Dorsey's holding it back a little. I also have to put some of the blame on Ken Dorsey because I don't feel like he's giving Josh, and they talked about this on the after show. Nate Geary talked about it. He's giving Josh easy routes to throw. Give me plays. Mm. And I always go back to Ryan Fitz, Patrick, and Stevie Johnson. What was their go-to play? That little Stevie Johnson inside slant 
right off the line to scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Like that was their go-to play when they needed high efficiency, high percentage of success play. It was, I, I just call it the Stevie slant because he was a great route runner. And if you ISO him and it, it just seemed to work a lot for those guys, I don't feel like Ken Dorsey puts those easy, gimme, high percentage, high success rate plays in the playbook. And and they should do that with Stefan Diggs. They did it on that final drive of the game, the final touchdown drive, I should say, not the field goal during this Lions game. And Stefan Diggs scored on it, actually, is the same play. That mm-hmm. sl- inside slant, right off the line to scrimmage, not a 10 or 15 yard up and out, just a quick slant. You have the best route runner in the league, arguably, paired with the best arm in the league, arguably, and Josh Allen. That inside slant route should be their bread and butter. When Josh is not in the right frame of mind, when Stefan Diggs is getting angry, he's not getting the ball. That should be your go-to play. It's super high efficient. It's super successful. And they can run that every five to seven plays and be successful with it. And maybe it only gets five yards here, seven yards there. But I'll take that. I'll take that every time. If it can continue a drive, like give Josh some easy plays. Yeah, you look at that final drive, Tony, and I'm looking at it right here, play-by-play breakdown. Josh Allen short pass to Stefan Diggs for eight yards. That was a slant. Josh Allen passed short to Stefan Diggs for 12 yards. Like it's it and there's two other instances, and including the touchdown, which was a five-yard touchdown. I just don't see a lot of gimme plays. And this kind of goes to my point of they cannot run a successful screen pass to save their lives. <laughs> like that's a gimme play, especially when the offensive line isn't holding up, especially when these teams are blitzing Josh Allen to get him uncomfortable in the pocket and having an outlet, having a successful screen pass. And maybe this goes along with not having a true slot receiver as well. Like I just don't feel like in the playbook, they have these just go to highly successful plays that they know will work or that they can run. I got to put some blame on Ken Dorsey because I don't think he, like I mentioned a week or two ago, like I don't think these coaches do anything to put these guys in successful situations or help them in any way. I think a lot of Ken Dorsey's offense is, and maybe this is the learning curve and him getting acclimated to being an offensive coordinator, but I just feel like he sees he has a superstar quarterback and you see it in the percentage of yards are attributed to Josh which is like 80-something, 83% of the yards are due to Josh Allen. I think he sees a superstar quarterback, and he's like, well, I might not be great at this offensive coordinator. I might be learning. I might be new at this, but I got a superstar quarterback, and I'm going to put it on his shoulders. And I think this is all kind of culminating in Josh's psyche and him getting hurt, uh, all this stuff. But my point is I don't see a lot of gimme plays like the Stevie slant that these guys run out there. I have to agree with you. For 98% of this, what I'm really looking at is in 2%, I kind of want to give a little bit of the benefit of the doubt right now, just because like we've seen what happened in the short out routes in the short passes of like Josh's injured elbow and how that manifests in those short time based passes. They're always like lower into the right than they should be. So I wonder if that's a consideration for Dorsey. Seemingly no. But is that a consideration for Dorsey sort of in choosing the kind of routes, short routes that he's choosing? But I do think that you want to blame Dorsey for this, too, in the sense that you're saying, like, that's happening to Diggs. What you're describing is happening towards Diggs. To me, I'm like, isn't this like the perfect thing that we got Heinz for? Like, isn't this the Heinz bread and butter is to do exactly what we're talking about? And and we're not doing that. We're not doing that to Diggs. We're not doing that to James Cook 
who I also thought was supposed to be involved with things like this and isn't. So I'm like, where, when is, when am I going to see that? When is that hitting? When is Naheem Hines going to take that reception and then razzle and dazzle us through the defense to make a big gain or a big play? Yeah. He's still a ghost in this offense. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Or even, or even Dawson Knox, like, the whole reason you signed mm-hmm. Dawson Knox to a, a long-term extension in what he's shown in the past is he can be a mismatch for these players. He's he's bigger than a, a slot corner and he's faster than a linebacker, but there's more than enough times throughout the game that Dawson Knox is just completely irrelevant. We talk about Naheem Heights being a ghost. Dawson Knox should be a an integral part of this offense as he was last year, and he just hasn't been and whether that's you know due to the offseason things that happened to him and his, his mental state what whatever but what i see on the field is what i see in the field and i see a depleted offensive line and i think ken dorsey compensates for that by bringing dawson knox in to be primarily a blocker yeah i think you see a lot of heavy sets with bobby hart in there and dawson knox in line to block because if it's not the starting five in terms of an offensive line, I don't know if Ken Dorsey trusts the other guys out there. So now you're taking Dawson Knox out of the equation as being a weapon for Josh Allen. And you're taking Isaiah McKenzie, who had a very nice game uh, against the Lions finally, but he hasn't been a big part of this offense when throughout the offseason, all we heard was Isaiah McKenzie's unstoppable. He's a huge part of this offense. They're going to get him involved. Mm-hmm. He should be on your fantasy team. That's how much he's going to get involved in this offense. And nobody on the defense during practice can keep up with them or stop him. No, that hasn't been the case. I, I just, I don't know if it's, again, learning curve with Ken Dorsey if, or if it's the personnel or these different variables, injuries to his quarterback, injuries to the offensive line if they're causing him to adjust his strategy, adjust his game plan, adjust his playbook. That's, I worry about Dawson Knox too, but I do think that you're right. I think that it's not no role. It's just that the role has kind of changed a little bit for now. It's not like Dorsey doesn't know his way around tight ends, no pun intended, but like the, (laughs) you know, Kellen Winslow, (laughs) you know, I mean, like he knows there's generally impressive tight ends involved in what we've seen out of Ken Dorsey influenced offense is Greg Olson. So it is in that sense a little bit surprising, but something's up and I don't know. He's just kind of like hesitating or from the brakes. Or maybe it's really just those that have to get theirs in particular situations. But now that we're running seemingly a lot more often, we don't view Dawson Knox as someone who has to get theirs in a given game. But contract I mean Dawson Knox had that tells me he should. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. Would we be saying this if he had caught that drop at the end of uh, last Sunday's game? You know, that drop in the end zone? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I would probably still be saying You think? This. All right. All right. Well, yeah. fine then. I just thought he'd be a, a more integral part of this offense. I did. Um, I did too. I did too. Yeah. And even at its most minimal, I thought he would be just a weapon for Josh. And he just hasn't been this year <laughs> at all in any way, shape, or form. So, I mean, I just don't think you sign a just like I I'm kind of mad that they traded draft capital for a punt returner, even though I like Hines. I thought he'd be part of this offense a little more than he has been. Yes, I know Mm -hmm. it's three weeks into his Bills career, but still, I thought he'd be more involved when Dawson Knox signed a big contract extension. I thought we were we were getting a a weapon for Josh who could be a mismatch and who could you'll be 
a, a core piece of, of this offensive juggernaut. And it, it, it's really weird <laughs> to say this offense is a juggernaut because points wise it is, stats wise it is. And I know it's primarily due to 17, but there's also 10 other guys out there. And let's just talk about like the weapons for a second. Like Diggs is mm-hmm. Diggs and he's been phenomenal this year and he's been better than last year. And he's equating uh, this year to or he's equaling this year uh, to his first year as a bill. But all like the preseason notions of all these guys, like I just mentioned, Isaiah McKenzie being a big part of this offense hasn't come to fruition. Dawson Knox being a big part of this offense hasn't come to fruition. Gabe Davis being like a legit wide receiver. Number two hasn't really come to fruition. Mm -hmm. The running game is probably on par with where it has been in the past not better it's not worse it just is what it is it's there it's efficient for the most part nothing's really better than it was last year and despite that there's still an offensive juggernaut that's why it's weird to say that because all this off-season talk all these preseason notions or summer notions we had about this team and the, the players specifically and where we thought they would be in this offense and how they would make a leap like hasn't really come to 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 take <laughs> so I, I don't know. It, is it with saying that? Is this like one of the m- most impressive seasons Josh Allen has put together? Because like none of that stuff has really, really come to be true. Mm, I guess it kind of depends on how you define a successful season. I mean, the wins are there, I suppose. I don't know. I guess what would really mean mean to me a successful season is as far as like an individual performance goes, is that he's spreading it around. You know, what I think about like what truly great quarterbacks can do is like they can take nobodies and make them really like heavy somebodies. Right. And, you know, we saw that. We've seen that in this with the older guard of like Tom Brady was winning Super Bowls of like no receivers. Aaron Rodgers seemingly is doing that now and, and has been doing that, you know, a lot in the past. But like Josh is only sort of kind of doing that but it's still really like on digs like to shoulder so much of the load so Mm -hmm. in that sense i'm gonna have the dissenting opinion with that of no i josh still has to show me something for me to call it that kind of season Mm -hmm. for him in terms of personal performance but it's also like with an asterisk because of the elbow injury right yeah, I mean that's a that's a big factor. The other question I have yeah. for you, real quick, but is Gabe Davis also is Gabe Davis the new Josh Reed? Ooh, no, because Josh Reed was bad to start with, and then got to a <laughs> point where we were kind of like, is Josh Reed like kind of okay? And we're like, I think we're ready to admit that Josh Reed is kind of okay. I think we are there. Gabe Davis was good, and just he is he good? Every and tenth ball a question mark, I guess he's just a question yeah. mark now. I guess. Something's up. Maybe Gabe okay. Davis is actually who has the yips. Oh, definitely. I think so. Yeah. You think so? Yeah. I think so. Tony, any other notes about the offense before we wrap the episode up here? Uh, no, I'm ready to wrap it up. Wrap it up. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but my drink is so delightfully cold thanks to Traveling Growler. And since we know place to go, keep it cold, keep it cold, keep it cold with a Traveling Growler koozie. Koozie starting at just $5. Check out www.travelinggrowler.com today. And now back to the show. Thank you, of course, to our sponsor, as always, Traveling Growler, www.travelinggrowler.com. Great gift for the holidays. Great stocking stuffer for your loved ones. Koozies starting at just $5. High quality. Shop local. Support local. www.travelinggrowler.com. 
com. Check out all the cool designs. Tell them the Woody Not Funny Sports Podcast sent you. T-shirt store, speaking of great gifts, teespring.com. Tony, this weekend, it's not Black Friday here at Woody Headquarters. It's a Woody weekend. 15% off your entire order with the code Woody. By the time you listen to this, which will be tomorrow, Sunday, it'll be the last day. Right. So listen to this podcast right when it ends, or maybe even during, maybe even while you're listening. Go on teespring.com, search Woody Not Funny, all one word, buy some Woody Not Funny sports apparel, support the podcast. Where to find the podcast? You can find the podcast, as always, on the Built-in Buffalo Podcast Network, iTunes, Spotify. Search Waiting Not Funny, all one word. Search Built-in Buffalo. Check out all the great content Built-in Buffalo gives you every single day. But if you like us, leave us a review, show us some love, subscribe. We always like to say whether you give us two minutes or two hours of your time. We greatly appreciate it. We really do mean that. Thank you to all who have joined Witty Nation for these first 110 episodes. It only gets better the next 110, I promise you. But thank you for listening. Well, I hope so. Jeez. Jeez, I hope so, too. Uh, I hope we didn't peak. (laughs) We peaked at 84. Uh, I knew it. (laughs) That 84th episode was really strong. I remember that one vividly. Tony, Twitter handles. Where can listeners find you? At Tony Ambrose. Tony Ambrose. Twitter's still around a week later. Still here. For now. For now. We don't know how much longer. So Give us a follow while it's still around. You can find the podcast at Woody Sports 716, Twitter, Instagram, We Have Funny Sports Podcast, Facebook, and TikTok. Give us a follow on all the platforms. We love following back, love connecting with the Buffalo sports community. Tony, send off for the listeners. What do you got? You know, you can at Tony Ambrose. You can slide into my DMs. It is the holiday season. Saucy. I'm asked, well, it is the holiday season, it is the gift giving season. Something I might, I'll give you, I'll give the listeners two items on my, on my gift list, on my Christmas list. <laughs> I would like a composter, a compost mm-hmm. bin, and I would like a pitchfork. If either one of those links to a free one were to find us in my DMs, it would be a Merry Christmas for the old tone zone. You're going to hunt Shrek down in the swamp? None of your damn business, man. <laughs> okay. Well, if any listeners would like to uh, gift Tony those interested items and you better do it fast because next week i will have more gifts ideas no he will trust me he will (laughs) each each week will be Uh, new gift ideas expecting to get them expecting to receive them on a weekly basis just like just have a a, listener just have a gift giving advent calendar for tony every day just buy him a new yeah that sounds right yes sounds about right matt just wait till my wedding registry gets loaded up oh god I'm going I'm going off the registry there. By all means, please do. I'm not buying a composter for your wedding. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a, that'd be wild if I put that on the wedding registry. I would. That'd be a first. It would probably yes, it would be. Yes. <laughs> uh I always say go Bills and of course stay witty out there, everyone. Thanks for listening. Peace. Bye. Bye. Later. Bye. Recording stop. Marshawn is a fresher breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love eating it. Most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? What's it it, it, it kind of looks like a football, actually. It, Thank you for that. The stitching, you that, got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, stay focused. Um, work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It builds a bomb! It builds a bomb!
It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network.